Hello, and thank you for joining us today. As always, it is such a pleasure and a blessing to be with you. Today, we're looking at the purpose of life. So let me pose that question to you. What is the purpose of life? As a Christian, what is your purpose in life? Today, we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I absolutely love the book of Ecclesiastes. I, uh, I love the wisdom that you get from the wisdom books of the Bible, being Proverbs and Song of Solomon, and obviously the book of Ecclesiastes. If tradition says that Solomon is the writer. He describes himself as the teacher and identifies himself as king and the son of David. Now, since only one of David's sons was the rightful king of Israel, it only makes sense that Solomon is the author. Solomon was declared king of Israel in 970 B.C., and his reign lasted until 931 B.C. Now, there are two other trains of thought on maybe who the author might be. It could be one that someone was trying to adopt some sort of a Solomon-type wisdom, and therefore this person wrote the book. Or it could be someone that was a further descendant in the line of David that ended up being king at some point down the line. However, tradition holds that it is Solomon, and based upon the wisdom that is, being tri- that is trying to uh, be imparted to us from the book, it only makes sense that Solomon is probably the rightful writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was very young, and most scholars believe that Solomon was about 20 years old when he became king. Scripture says that upon David's death, Solomon approached him, and David told him that he had to take courage, that he had to be a man, that he had to observe the requirements of the Lord, and that he had to follow his ways. He had to keep the Lord's decrees and commands and regulations. He told him that if he did this, then the Lord would keep his promise. Now that promise was that if your descendants live as they should and they follow me faithfully with all of their heart and with all of their soul, then one of the descendants of David would always sit on the throne of Israel. As Solomon's reign began, he followed all the Lord's decrees. He showed, and he showed this in, in his following, in his sacrifices. He showed this in his humility. You see, as he was following the decrees of the Lord, the Lord came to Solomon one night in a dream. And God asked him, he said, Solomon, whatever you ask for, I will give it to you. And of all the things that Solomon could ask, can you imagine if God told you, what do you want? Whatever you ask for, I'm going to give it to you. I mean, put yourself in Solomon's perspective right there and and think about if the Lord told you, ask for whatever you want, what would you ask for? And out of showing his humility, Solomon said, of all the things he could have said, he says this, he says, give me an understanding heart to govern your people well and to know the difference between right and wrong. And God tells him, God replies, he says this, he says, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and you have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart as as no one else has had or will ever have. And I will 
and I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. He says, no other king in the world will be compared to you the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. However, over time, as Solomon was king, we see in Scripture, we see in the Bible that he forgot his own counsel. As I mentioned before, Solomon wrote Proverbs, and he wrote Song of Solomon, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Most scholars believe the book of Ecclesiastes was at the end or towards the latter part of his life, but in the middle of his life, he, he lost his way. Solomon swayed from following the Lord. He, he ended up taking on 700 wives. He built pagan altars to false gods. Over time, these wives were able to sway even Solomon's heart by not being fully devoted to the Lord, which included him giving sacrifices to false gods. However, as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, it seems to wrap up Solomon's life. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, in all of his splendor, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he looks back at his life. And the question that Solomon answers is the question that he sought his entire life. And that question is, what is the meaning of life? And it's interesting. Solomon starts out by saying this, that everything is meaningless. Now, it's interesting. The Hebrew word here is hevel. Literally, this word hevel, instead of meaningless, meaningless in English only goes so far. This Hebrew word adds more meaning to the word, and it's hevel, and it means a vapor or a smoke. So basically, you say Solomon could be saying everything is a vapor and a smoke. This word hevel, or as we translate it into English, meaningless, is used 38 times in the 12 chapters, and it's used as a metaphor. You see, life is temporary or fleeting. In fact, life is a paradox or somewhat of an enigma. Like smoke, it appears solid, but when you reach out to grab it, there's nothing there. Now, there is beauty and there's goodness or there can be beauty and goodness in the world. But when you try to hold on to these things, when you try to hold on to them for a long time, it's evident that something happens, it blows away, or it's not there anymore. And with this, Solomon continues to tell us over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes that life is unstable. It's unpredictable. In his words, he uses this, that his Chasing after the wind. The teacher tells us that we are separated by time and we are separated by death. We spend our entire lives working on things we believe will bring significance. We gather up sums of wealth. We gather up what we think would be fame for ourselves or a name for ourselves. And the teacher here talks about death and says that death is the great equalizer and it renders most of our daily activities absolutely meaningless. He says it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, you're going to die. He says whether you're wise or a fool, rich or poor, 
we all die. And he gives the meaning that almost in a hundred years from now, most of us, if not all of us, will not even be remembered. And this too is hevel or meaningless. With these two things in hand, death and time, he goes on to show what we or he did in a life where he tries to find meaning or significance, just like we do. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says this, Everything is wearisome. It's beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. Isn't this our life? We think, we set our sights on something worldly, and we think, if I get that, then, then I will be happy. And for a lot of us, we put our sights on things that we never accomplish, and we are spent, we are spent in trial, trying over and over to seek meaning in the world. But here, Solomon, in all of his splendor, in all of his wealth, you remember, the Lord promised him wealth. In fact, Solomon says that he built big homes, that he planted beautiful vineyards, guards, and parks. He acquired large herds and flocks. He collected great sums of silver and gold, and he hired wonderful singers and concubines. It says that he could have anything that he desired. Now, a lot of us are not in that situation where we can have anything that we desire. So we spend our entire life looking for purpose, looking for meaning. If I have just this one thing, then I'll be content. But if we find that one thing, then we end up looking for something else. It's the lie of the world. He says that he denied himself no pleasure, that anything he wanted, he took. He says he looked at everything that he had worked so hard to accomplish. And in the end, he says this, that it is meaningless, hevel, like chasing after the wind. He says he worked his whole life for things that he must only leave to someone else. And who can tell if that person would be foolish or wise? And he says this too is meaningless and chasing after the wind. In Ecclesiastes 2.24, Solomon says, So I decided there is nothing better than to eat food and drink and find satisfaction in your work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from Him? God gives us wisdom, knowledge, and joy for those who please Him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes that wealth away and gives it to those who please Him. He says this too is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. You know, it's interesting to point here that Solomon says, I've decided that nothing, there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find satisfaction in our work. Solomon is not saying don't work. He's not saying there's no purpose in working. He's saying you have to find the joy of the Lord. You have to find the satisfaction of the Lord in your work. And you have to find the purpose of your work and what that is. But when our purpose is only to seek 
worldly pleasure, when our purpose is only to get more for ourselves, only to go about and leave it to someone else who might be wise or who might be a fool, this is meaningless. You see, for 12 chapters, Solomon talks about there's a time for everything under the sun. He says that no matter what we do, no matter what mountain we climb, that that mountain remains, that the ocean will still hit the shores. And in a thousand years, until the Lord returns, the ocean will continue to hit the shores. And no matter how many people climb the mountain, the mountain remains. The premise is this, is that we spend our whole life chasing after things that have no real meaning or no real significance. They are not lasting. That we don't have joy in our work simply because we do it and we work as if we were working on to the Lord. We do it for ourselves. We have idols in our heart. And for 12 chapters, Solomon goes on and on. The person that had everything. He says that there was nothing his eye looked upon that he didn't get, that he couldn't acquire. That he looked for pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment. With all of his wisdom, he looked at this and he acquired all of this over his life. And in the end, he says that it is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. And then in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he gives us his final conclusion and it says this, that is the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything that we do, including everything secret, whether good or whether bad. You see, our challenge is with our eye. Solomon got everything that he desired. We chase these material things in in the world, hoping to be fulfilled because we are trying to fulfill this God space in us that can only be fulfilled with one thing, and that is God himself. That in the end, it is to be joyful in what we do and as if we are working on to the Lord. When we break down what our eyes desire. You see, the eye is the portal to our heart. We have to ask ourselves, what is the desire of our heart? Is the desire of our heart God? Is the desire of our heart fulfilling the Great Commission? Is our, the desire of our heart loving and honoring Him and only serving Him? What occupies the desires of our heart is our God. So when we read the commandment that says, Thou shalt not have any other gods, what does that mean? Does that mean that we go out and worship pagan gods? God is speaking about other things that we make gods. We can make our career God. We can make money our God. We can make other people our God. It is what our focus in our life is. And it doesn't mean that we don't focus on our kids or our spouse. It doesn't mean that we don't focus on our career. It's doing things in the right purpose and in the right order. 
that we put God above everything in our life, that our purpose is to live, to act, to speak in a way that furthers the kingdom of God. And we will fall short. I fall short on that often. Our job is to become more and more like Christ every day. It is our job to seek the Lord and to become more and more like Jesus. So today, I ask you this. I ask you to search your heart. Are you running around trying to fill the space by acquiring things or to get farther in a material world? And the question is, for what? All of this is temporal. It's, it won't last. The Bible tells us in the end that none of this will exist. Let's remember what Jesus said. Jesus was asked, what is the, the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And he said, and the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, these two commands basically represent the entire Bible. They represent all the laws and the prophets, is what Jesus says. The question is, is what is our perspective? What is our focus in life? Do we do our work as a fulfillment and with joy to the Lord? Or do we do our work as a way to serve something else that we put above God? or even to serve ourselves. As we've looked today, the most person that would receive the most wisdom in the world wrote this down and was able to seek everything that his heart desires and was able to grab it. And in the end, his final conclusion is to fear God and obey His commands. He says, for this is everyone's duty. So today I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you have the strength, the courage, that that you get closer to God, that those idols in our hearts are removed, that we put our focus on Him, not our focus on worldly things that that will not last, that won't be remembered, that will be given to someone else once we leave. That too being meaningless. That we put things in their proper perspective. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that those idols of our heart are broken down. And that we put our focus on God in all things. Please join me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that is in this. Thank you that as we go out and we seek and we we try to gather together worldly things. We can, we can learn from the teachings. We can learn from the wise. We can learn from your word that was told to us that, that this is all meaningless. That we need, to put our, we need to put things in proper perspective. Lord, I pray that for everyone that is listening to this, I pray that as we might have idols in our heart, idols of the world, Lord, I pray that you would break those down, that we would have this this reflection, that we would have this, 
this clarity of our mind to put you back where you belong. That you are the king of the universe, whether we accept it, deny it, whether atheists believe it or not, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, I pray that in our hearts, as we choose, that we put you where you really are. Lord, I thank you. I pray that you would give strength and courage and and a movement and the power of the Holy Spirit to every listener today. That we don't know the returning of your Son, Lord, but I pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name, that we would have the strength and the courage to live our lives in a way that reflects Jesus, to speak to other people about our saving grace, about the gospel, so that more people could come to know Him. We thank You so much, Lord. We thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you have never given your life to the Lord, and when we say given our life, we mean, when I say that, there, there are as many evangelists and preachers that say, uh, you, you need to believe in your heart and, and, and follow the Lord and let Him come into your life. Listen, here's the thing. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Have you turned and repented from your sins? Scripture says that if we repent and we believe, we can be saved. Now, some people may not understand or know what that means. You see, sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. God is merciful, but God is just. And our sin cannot go unpunished. And that is because so difficult is our salvation, only God could make it possible. And that is why Jesus came. He lived on this earth. He died and he rose from the dead as a sacrifice for our sins because it was a debt we could never pay. We can never live a life where we don't sin. Jesus did that. And because he was able to conquer sin and conquer death, all those that would believe and trust in him and repent from their sins, he gives an atonement for our sins. He makes us right with God. It's like having a debt and someone paying that debt for you. Then you don't owe that debt anymore. And we are called to be more and more like Christ every day. When we become saved, meaning that when we repent and we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, we are changed. We are a new person. We walk a different way. We're not instantly perfect. In fact, we will never be perfect. We will never be like Jesus. But we are on a path to be more and more like Jesus as we become saved. You say, saved from what? Separation from God is a place called hell. Heaven is where Jesus is. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be in heaven with Jesus, and I want to stop there for a minute. Some people say, do you want to go to heaven? Who doesn't want to go to heaven? The better question is, do you want to be with Jesus? Because that is what you would sign up for. Being a Christian is following Jesus, and it is following Him wherever He goes. If you have never committed your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today. The Bible doesn't give us any specific prayer to say. 
It's just an acknowledgement, a profession of our faith. So I want to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing specific or powerful about the words. It's truly an issue of the heart. So if that's you today and you say, yes, I want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to be saved. Yes, I want to be transformed. Yes, I want to be more and more like him. Yes, I'm willing to commit. I'm willing to repent. If that's you today, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I am desperately in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. And He died and rose from the dead as payment for my sins. I accept that. I repent for my sins. Please forgive me for my sins. I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to hear from you. Please email us, comment, message us so that we can pray with you and pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today, get plugged into a local Bible-believing church. Get a Bible. Pray day, daily. Seek the Lord so that you can know Him. Once again, please like, share, subscribe so that this message can reach more people for Christ. God bless you.